22 of Reading the Bible Together every day this year. Today we are going to watch a video from the Bible Project, a devotional video about biblical joy. We're going to read Philippians 3 and 4, Psalm 12, and because I have recently been preaching through Philippians 4 and talking about biblical contentment and joy at our church, I'm going to tag on a sermon from a few weeks ago that talks about this, and I hope you'll stick around and listen to it after the reading. Let's go. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs, watch out for the evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Paul's like, like I am the epitome of a Jew. I am the epitome of a um, committed living by the law, not deterring from anything. I've been trained under the best. And he's like, and all of that really is nothing. He says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, for God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then, my dearly loved and longed for, brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Iodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also have asked you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say through our tongues, we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked prowl all around, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. That is our reading, friends. If you are interested, stick around. Like I said, I'm going to share the message I preached a couple weeks ago from Philippians 4. I'll see you next time. I hope you'll come back tomorrow for our continued reading through the Bible every day. We're moving into, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to explain everything, but this is November. My aunt is here. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know she was here. Yeah. Well, here's the, it's funny. Listen, here's, can I read to you verbatim what the intro of my sermon is? Surprise is a word that is universally understood. <laughs> The experience can be very different depending on what you're going through. There are good surprises and bad surprises, good surprises like your aunt showing up um, at church and surprising you. There's a surprise that I think depending on where you're at in life and who you are could be good or bad, and it's the same surprise, like surprise, I'm pregnant, and the name of Jesus is not a good surprise for me, <laughs> but it might be a great surprise for somebody else, and I would gladly celebrate with them, you know? Surprise happy birthday can be a nice surprise, unless you're me and you hate being the center of attention like that. I love the surprise homecoming videos of soldiers. 
Like, those get me every single time. I cannot watch them without boohooing like a big old baby. I love those. C.S. Lewis um, entitled his spiritual memoir, Surprised by Joy. And he found himself surprised both by his faith in God and by the joy that he found in God. There was a, a letter discovered recently from him to a friend. It was tucked into one of his books. And in this letter, he describes the joy found in God like this. Here's what he says. Real joy jumps under one's ribs and tickles down one's back and makes one forget meals and keeps one delightedly sleepless at nights. The Christian faith is one of joy in the Lord. And so today we are beginning a new series It is the month of Thanksgiving. It is the month of gratitude. And we are going to look at what biblical contentment, what it means to be satisfied in our soul. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything. Everything, everybody say everything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul begins this this part of the letter that he writes to the church in um, Philippi, like with this command, (laughs) this directive to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Biblical joy is a celebration term. It, it, is, it is different from happiness. Joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. That things went right, that the day didn't have a bad moment, so you're happy. Joy comes from the Lord and it is based on God's proven character. I mean, I could go on and on, as probably many of you can, about just how good God is and what you know about God to be true. I mean, I experienced it several times this last week where just out of the blue, um, things happened that, that met a need that nobody else could have known about. Or, or that in the, at just the right time, I got a text from a friend that was just an encouraging word. Why? Because God's proven character is that he takes care of things for you. In 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful. In 1 John 1, God is light and darkness can't hide from him. Okay, so when you're walking through a dark time where you feel depression or anxiety very real, very, very heavily looming over you, what you can remind yourself of is that God is light and there is no darkness found in him. It cannot hide from him. He exposes it and penetrates it. Okay. In second Peter chapter three, God is patient and timely means he's right on time. Every time he's not slow to react, but friends, he's also not quick to react. And some of us may not like that, but when you're like on the receiving end of the negative side of that, you're grateful that he's not a reactor. 
In James 1, God is good and always provides. I love that passage. That is the passage where he says that, that he is the father of lights, right? The giver of all good things. In Numbers 23, God is consistent. In Psalm 18, he is perfect. In Psalm 116, he is gracious, he's righteousness, and he's compassionate. God's proven character is why we can walk in joy no matter what we're going through in our life. I love these two passages in Psalms. Psalm 65 says, Praise is rightfully yours, God in Zion. Vows to you will be fulfilled. All humanity will come to you, the one who hears prayer. Are you, are you hearing the declarative statements of what we know to be true about God so far? And we're only in verse 2. Iniquities overwhelm me, only you can atone for our rebellions. This is before Jesus, friends. Only, only God can atone for our rebellion. How happy is the one you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. You answer us in righteousness with awe-inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the distant seas. You establish the mountains by your power. You are robed with strength. You silence the roar of the seas, the roar of their waves, and the tumult of the nations. Hallelujah. Those who live far away are awed by your signs. You make east and west shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it abundantly, enriching it greatly. God's stream is filled with water, for you prepare the earth in this way, providing people with grain. You soften it with showers and bless its growth, soaking its furrows and leveling its ridges. You crown the year with your goodness. Your carts overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow and the hills are robed with joy. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys covered with grain. They shout in triumph. Indeed, they sing. Psalm 98, sing a new song to the Lord. Now, we're not talking about the new song they play on the radio here, friends. The psalmist is saying, sing a new song from your heart, from your mind, out of your mouth to the presence of God. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Can we just plaster that everywhere? He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with lyre, with lyre and melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. God is proven time and time again, and we're reminded of it throughout Scripture, that he is trustworthy. And because he's trustworthy, we can rejoice always. Joy and the ability to rejoice regardless of circumstances is an attribute of someone who is content. But it's also an attribute of a believer in Christ. 
There was a global study done by Pew Research that found that believers are happier than non-believers. I think that that feels very true, doesn't it? I don't feel like I needed a survey to, to know that. But I'm glad we have one because, you know, we said this a couple months ago, science and faith are not at odds, okay? But listen, 36% of, of believers in America, those who are actively religious people, describe themselves as very happy. Now, this is in contrast to non-believers or inactive believers who, of whom only 25% responded that same way. It, is this true of you? Are, are you happy in the Lord? And, and if you're not, friend, then why? Why? Listen, being content in life doesn't mean that you're always happy because, like I said, there's a difference between happiness and joy. But there is a direct link between our ability to rejoice in God and to experience contentment regardless of our circumstances. In chapter 4, where Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord, our joy should be found in God, not in our possessions, not in any title, not in our economic status, not in the type of home we live in, not in the type of job we have, nothing else. Our contentment, our joy, is found in Him. God is eternal. And in case you didn't know it, none of your possessions are. Nothing. Jobs come and go, unfortunately. Accomplishments may bring us pleasure. They make us happy. But if we put too much reliance in them, then in the end, we'll find ourselves looking for something else to satisfy what only God can. It's only when we rejoice in the Lord that we can experience a level of joy that C.S. Lewis said makes one forget meals and become delightedly sleepless. Paul doesn't just say, though, rejoice in the Lord. The full sentence is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Always. This isn't a, well, I, I lifted my hands and sang a happy song on Sunday morning, so if I'm crabby on Monday, it's fine. That's not what we're saying. Rejoicing in the Lord, listen to me, is a discipline. It is a choice you and I make, not only day by day, but sometimes, listen, Life is hard, and sometimes we're making that choice minute by minute, hour by hour. That I will not let the enemy, I will not let my circumstances be louder. Pastor Travis, you said this a couple of years ago, before you were here, that you would not let, what was, how did it go? You won't let the enemy be louder than your worry, or your worry. He, we were having a conversation with several years ago. He's like, I'm not going to let my worry be louder than my worship. We have a choice to, to make rejoicing in the Lord a discipline, and it has to become a habit. And the best place to cultivate this habit of regular worship is coming here and gathering in these corporate settings and being intentional. You need to be doing this at home. You need to be having your own personal times of worship at home. But you build a habit and cultivate a discipline of rejoicing 
every time you choose to come into the house of God and gather with like-minded people and in unity, lift your voice and lift your hands and praise him. You're choosing to rejoice. And as the discipline of continuous rejoicing in God develops, it's, it's good to challenge yourself to carry it over into moments when rejoicing feels like a challenge. You know? Um, it could have been very easy to not rejoice when we were at the funeral for my grandpa. But instead, we sang songs that celebrated faith and rejoiced that he flew away. <laughs> we sang, I'll fly away. We sang at Calvary. We sang Blessed Assurance. They played the song from the Imperials, The Love of God. We chose to celebrate and rejoice even in the middle of grief. That's what we have to do. When you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, you rejoice. Not because you're in that position, but because you know that the God who has proven himself time and time again is going to come through. And so you rejoice that he's good and he's got you. And that he's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills and he'll sell one for you if he needs to. We make rejoicing an intentional discipline. And then we're gracious. Have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? The Disney movie Inside Out? In the movie... There's a character named Sadness. She's the color of blue. She's, she's the blue one on there. Man, she moped through the entire movie almost. Like literally. And she talks like this. Like Eeyore. Because if you've never seen Inside Out, you'll be more familiar with Eeyore maybe. She never saw anything good. Everything was always hard. Everything was always sad. She made it very difficult to be near her, like other characters didn't want to be near her. She couldn't see past things that were hard, and she couldn't move past the pain of prior events in life, and she just didn't want to change. And, and everything she touched then became tainted with that sadness. Now, hear me out. Having the emotion of sadness is not a bad thing either. I want to make sure you know I am not one of those Christians who says, well, you're a believer. Why are you sad? There's never anything to be sad about. <laughs> That's stupid. Sadness is real. But we don't have to live in sadness, okay, is what I'm getting at. She, she just couldn't move past it. Another character was anger. I'm sure you can tell looking at the screen which one anger is. Um, he, would, he was just a hothead who would blow up like a nuclear reactor. I mean, he would just blow up. Disgust. Can you tell which one disgust is? She was just never satisfied and had a sour attitude. And fear for the love. Actually, fear was probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. But he couldn't handle anything. I mean, like nothing. And then there was joy. Now, she was a bit over the top and unrealistic. Okay? Um, but... Out of all of these, I'd rather live my life like joy. I'd rather have these over-the-top smile moments than to walk around defeated or disgusted. Let me give you another definition. As an adjective, being gracious means to be courteous. It means to be kind. And it means to be 
pleasant. Sadness, while it, it is a very real emotion, is not one that is fun to live in. It's not necessarily pleasant to be around. And being angry all the time really just makes you a jerk. And living in fear of anything and everything is not living. That is not living. But living in graciousness? <laughs> See, friends, that's where good things begin and good things thrive. We can't be gracious, though, if we're going, to our, uh, going around in our lives being grumpy, being scared, being sour-faced people. Life isn't always easy. And that's just, that's just it. Scripture says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Sometimes life's just hard. Why? It's not because God caused your life to be hard. It is because we live in a sin-fallen world and bad things happen. It's not because necessarily because you've done something wrong or somebody has wronged you or the enemy is attacking. That can, those are very real things. But sometimes it's just because we live in a world where sin exists. It's broken. And the reality is that's not going to change on this side of heaven. Not until Jesus comes back and everything is made new. Okay? So there's an element of this that we have to say, okay, well, sometimes it just stinks. Even so, I will rejoice. I will be gracious. Why? Because in this same letter, Paul says, the Lord is near. You're not alone in it. In another letter, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Just this past week, someone I went to high school with shared on Facebook about how people often comment on her positive attitude. And I'll be honest, I don't know where she stands in faith. I don't know what she believes. And I know there are people in this room that know who she is. But she shared this on Facebook. She said, I simply try. She said, I simply try. No one wants to deal with a crab. We all have issues we're dealing with. How you treat other people is only controlled by you. I wake up every day and take it head on. She said, I learned a little over five years ago when I lost my mom and watched her battle my entire life with health issues that there truly is no reason to be cranky toward others. Are you hearing this? This is not a, I'm pretty sure this is not a person who is walking in a relationship with Jesus, okay? And yet, she preaching. She said, a year after, after that, so a year after her mom died, I had my first grandson was born and found out he would be disabled for life. There's truly no reason to be bitter to others. We all have issues we're facing daily. It's how you react to those issues that define you as a person. I choose to find happiness and treat others that way. It takes so much more effort to be ugly and hateful than to just smile and be pleasant. And I told her, I said, hmm, this goes right along with what I'm preaching on Sunday, and I'm probably going to steal it. <laughs> and the thing is, is I've known her since high school, and, and how she is today is how she always was. Always. These are the ones that you're like, oh, if Jesus could just get a hold of their heart, they literally would change the world. You know, I just want to remind us that being able to find ways to be gracious 
finding ways to offer thanks and to show compassion, friends. Listen, it is a demonstration of your faith. It is a demonstration of your faith. It shows that even whatever you're dealing with in life, be it good or bad, you trust that God is in control and he's going to work it all out. It's putting Romans 8.28 into very real action. Romans 8.28 is probably my most favorite verse out of all of Scripture. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who, are, who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He works all things for our good and to his glory. All things. Doesn't mean what we think is good. It means he works all things for good. Okay? And that leads us to this part, that we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to pray. That's a lot easier to say. And I recognize that. But the fact that it's in scripture, I don't even know how many times, tells me it is possible for us. Why? Because just as Paul says in Philippians, we're not doing it on our own. We're doing it through Christ in prayer with thanksgiving. When we learn how to rejoice in God regularly, it prepares us to be content even in the worst times. You can't, you can't prepare for the hard time in the middle of the hard time. You can't build a discipline of praise and worship when you feel like not praising and worshiping. You have to build it all along the way so that in those moments, you can. A seminary professor had a serious, unexpected medical condition which put him in the hospital for a very long time. And not long after being admitted to the hospital, the hospital chaplain came to visit him. And the chaplain asked how he was doing. And as I, I read this illustration, I thought about our family the last week or so when people would say, how are you doing? Well, obviously, we're a little sad because we lost our grandpa. My dad lost his dad. My aunt lost her dad. But there's this peace because he's not in pain, he's whole, and he's with Jesus. He was 97. We don't live forever. He lived a good long life. But in the middle of all of that, I feel like this, this, this man's response to this chaplain, I, I feel this, because he said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm fine. And the chaplain said, no, really? And he goes, yes, I'm totally fine. The chap says, chaplain said, well, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, yes, will you praise God with me? Will you praise God with me? The chaplain stared at the professor, dumbfounded, and then said, you're in the hospital. And I'm not kidding you. The chaplain came into my grandpa's room asking what we needed and heard all of us talking and went and got his really cool guitar and came in and we sang. The chaplain is talking to me. He's like, but you're in the hospital, and he's pointing to everything. And the professor replied, I have the peace of Christ guarding my heart like a powerful army. And for that, I want to praise God. This is what it looks like to rejoice in God always. And how it can bring us contentment, friends, even in a hospital room. When you feel worry creeping in, you need to recognize that it is an alert that it's time to pray. Amen. When worry starts wor working its way in, that should be the alarm, the red flag. Pray, 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 pray. 
Like Pastor Travis said, and I already said it, don't let your worry be louder than your worship. In Nehemiah 8, the book of the law was read by the scribe Ezra, and as he read it, the people became broken, falling on their faces, weeping. In verse 9, it says, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. See, they were weeping and in grief because what they were hearing brought conviction on them. And these men are standing up and saying, uh-uh, today is, day, is the day that is God's. It is holy. Don't, don't weep and mourn. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared since today is holy to, the Lord, our, to our Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we learn how to rejoice in God, it really does prepare us to be content. Take the cue of worry to talk to the Lord. Take that time to remind yourself of God's character. Remind yourself that he's always good, that he never walks away. And the reason to be in a constant state of rejoicing and pray with gratitude for what you need, not just for what you have, for what you need. Pray with specifics. It's okay to be bold enough to ask your Heavenly Father, who, as we mentioned earlier, is good and perfect. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like a shifting shadow. Have you ever walked outside in the sun, and as you walk, your shadow kind of, not only does it move with you, but it can be distorted by what's around. That's not God. He can't be distorted. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. He's good. He's perfect. So we praise him, and we rejoice in him no matter what we're walking through at the time. Peace is the benefit of choosing to live a life that is patterned after Philippians 4. You want peace in your life? It's not a different president. Peace in your life is not a new governor. Peace in your life is not certain laws, existing or not existing. Peace is a reflection. Peace is a benefit. Peace is an outcome of choosing to rejoice always. To pray in thankfulness and gratitude with God. The old song says, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Would you stand with me? Here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Something to, to contemplate in your heart, in your mind. Do you rejoice more over what Jesus has done for you over you do a World Series game, a touchdown? Do, do you pray with the same intentionality for the need of others as your own or vice versa? Because sometimes some of us, we're not, we're not so great at praying for our own needs and we're really good at interceding for others, so let's, we can flip that either way. 
another friend of many of us, his name is Zach. Um, he works at the district office, and he has a brother with severe disabilities. I mean, severe disabilities. And Zach just recent, recently shared, um, the truth is I often let past disappointments control the narrative for present, thus determining my future. In the case of divine healing, I no longer pray like I did when I was a little kid. God, heal my brother so he can walk and play with me. It didn't dramatically change things then, so why do it now? All these years later, I still pray, but these prayers are usually wimpy. Things I can accomplish without huge help from God. Like, help me have a good day today. Or, bless this food to our bodies. See, Zach had attended a gathering last week that was hosted by the Illinois District that focused on moves of the Spirit. And he said that the speaker, Sean Smith, challenged those in attendance to not just believe in things like divine healing, but to believe for them. Listen, those two words are very different. How many of you believe that God heals? How many of you are truly believing for the healing? I mean, if we're honest, some days we're better at it than others. Zach goes on to say, by discussing such things as divine healing, words of knowledge, spirit baptism, and even burnout, I realize this. I've been trying to do things on my own for too long, and I don't want to do that anymore. We worship a God, quote, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to do and to accomplish infinitely. Some versions say exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we can ask, imagine, or think. And we need his power, his guidance to usher in encounters with his presence. For that's the only thing that can truly change the world. So what does that mean for how I pray for my brother now? I'm believing for full restoration of his body, either on this side of eternity or the other. Healed brain and body. We can even get more specific like praying for healing from his seizures or his hips, which both cause most of his pain and discomfort. Whether or not... um, We see healing for these things anytime soon. I'm tired of praying as if God isn't good and all-powerful. Medicine helps, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And now I realize we have one available to us. I'm tired of treating prayer like a break in case of emergency box. Mm. It should be the first resort, not the last. And not just for things like healing. I want everything about me to be divinely inspired and empowered from the way I work to the way I love my family and friends. So I'm changing the way I pray. No more wimpy prayers. And then he ended his post with, and I hope you do too. Friends, being content doesn't mean we sit back and accept what is as what will always be and twiddle our thumbs in complacency because contentment and complacency are not the same thing. Being content means that in the middle of the way things are, we have an unshakable certainty that God is in control. But we praise God anyway and extend grace to ourselves and others, and we turn our worry and into prayers that are rooted in gratitude. One more quote from you is from a guy that I enjoy following on social media. His name is Billy Ivy, and he wrote this, Misery might love company, but so does joy. So does joy. So, as we're doing this, I'm sorry, my notes just, um, I can't see them. There we go. 
I want, I kind of want to like put that on a big placard out in the hallway. Misery might love company, but so does joy. Like as you go out, you already see that, you know, go into all the world. I think right around that, we should say the same thing. Misery might love company, but so does joy. So walk out of here with a smile on your face. What I want us to do this morning is to throw a joy party. I want us to rejoice in the goodness and faithfulness of God. I want us to spend time in his presence before we go, letting, letting him know how much we love him and spend some time lavishing our gratitude on a good, good God. And I want to start that by saying if you are here in this room or you're watching online and you are saying, I don't know this. I'm hearing you say this, but I don't really know who God is. You can begin that today. It is a prayer between your heart and the heart of God, admitting that you need him, confessing your sins, asking Jesus to make you clean, and inviting him in to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the beginning of it. But you're not alone. We're here to walk with you. We're here to help you grow. We're here to help you go forward and grow deeper. But let's spend time this morning and let's pray and let's ask him to help us apply Philippians 4 to our everyday lives, to our coming and our going, and let's express our joy to him today. God, help us to find our joy in you. Church, would you find a place to pray and praise and let your joy overflow?